Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to PGN Prophetic Grace Network. It is Sunday, February 18th of 2024. This is Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. With me, Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist today, we're discussing the purple and scarlet prophecy. This is the eighth vision John the Revelator was shown when he was supernaturally transported to heaven as described in Revelation chapters 17, 18, as well as verses 1 to 5 of chapter 19. I'm going to read the purple and scarlet prophecy. This is John's report of the purple and scarlet documentary that he watched He watched this documentary that was shown to him by an angel assigned by Jesus Christ as reported in Revelation chapter 1. An angel was instructed. We're told that an angel would be instructed to share the revelation uh, with John the Revelator. And then in Revelation chapter 4, John reports that he was called up to heaven. And beginning with Revelation chapter 5, is the report, a series of reports, of the documentaries that John the Revelator actually watched. Uh, Watching, what did he watch? Moving pictures with sound. So he watched one documentary after another, and then there was another, and then there's another for a total of 12 documentaries by my analysis. Let's hear the purple and scarlet prophecy Reading from the book of Revelation, here's what John the Revelator reports for all truth seekers about what he saw as he was in heaven. John the Revelator says, After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright. Let me begin again. So I began with Revelation chapter 18, but I mean I mean to begin with Revelation chapter 17. Okay, let's start again. The purple and scarlet prophecy, this is John the Revelator's report of what he heard and saw. Here it is. One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, 
that had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Why are you so amazed? The angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive, but isn't now. And yet, he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. This calls for a mind with understanding. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come. But his reign will be brief. The scarlet beast that was, but is no longer, is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he, too, is headed for destruction. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together, they will go to war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Then the angel said to me, The waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast, and so the words of God will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich 
Then I heard another voice calling from heaven. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne, I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city! In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thyan wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood, and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, wagons, and bodies. That is human slaves. The fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance. Terrified by her great torment, they will weep and cry out, How terrible! How terrible for that great city! She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. And all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief, and they will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for that great city! The ship owners became wealthy. By transporting her great wealth on the seas in a single moment, it's all gone. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, 
just like this. The great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. Praise the Lord! The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God, who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen! Praise the Lord! And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. That, my friend and truth seeker, was the purple and scarlet prophecy in its entirety. You can see the one-page basic study notes for the purple and scarlet prophecy. You can uh, retrieve those at no cost. Everything at PGN is always 100% free. You can get the one-page basic study notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. Let's talk about what we just heard. I want to share some highlights from the purple and scarlet prophecy. So to begin with, in Revelation chapter 17, several, uh, really many key secrets are revealed. I want to focus on three key secrets. Let's begin with let's begin with the identity of the scarlet beast. So, the scarlet beast is the antichrist. When we look at the book of Revelation. The word beast is one word uh, usually used in tandem with other uh, words in a sentence or with uh, uh, with an adverb to uh, or adjective to describe it. I mean to say with an adjective to describe it. Um, the scarlet beast refers to the Antichrist. How do we know that? We know that because... We're told when talking about the scarlet beast in Revelation Revelation chapter 17, verses 11 through 14, it says, The scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. In Daniel, the book of Daniel, we're told that there are ten kings, and that the little horn, who is the Antichrist, is going to put down seven. And when he puts down seven, he becomes 
the eighth king as revealed here in a purple and scarlet prophecy. Another indicator that the scarlet beast is the Antichrist is Revelation uh, chapter 17. In the same section, verse 13, it says, they will agree to give him their power, talking about the ten kings will agree to give their power to the scarlet beast. So we know from Revelation chapter 13 and from Daniel chapter 7 that the ten-nation alliance, which is led by the ten kings, that they will decide to make the Antichrist their mouthpiece. He will rise and grow in power across the Great Tribulation, becoming at some point the leader of the Ten Nation Alliance. And as revealed here in Revelation 17, these ten kings are going to agree to give him their power and authority. Another clue in this same section, Revelation chapter 14, it says, Together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings. Now, who goes to war against Jesus Christ? So the first time Jesus Christ came, he came as the Lamb of God, and he died on the cross. He is always the Lamb of God. That was his role to become our mediator, uh, the Bible tells us there's only one mediator between man and God the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. So when he died on the cross, uh, he was he became our mediator in that role at time one here on the earth. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh at time one in the role of Lamb of God, Jesus Christ was here. Yet, when he returns, he will not be in the role of Lamb of God. The uh, purpose of that role will have already been fulfilled. Um, The very first thing that happens at his second coming is the marriage of the Lamb. That's the first resurrection. That's all the believers everywhere. So that's believers here on the present earth at the time of his second coming, believers in heaven who accompany him here to the present earth, all believers, all who are in Christ, all who have chosen to allow Jesus Christ to be their mediator will transition from mortality to immortality put on a physical body that's incorruptible, thereby achieving what God has promised, which is eternal life. In order to have eternal life, you need an eternal body. Life exists in a body, a physical, tangible body. Jesus Christ is the only God who promises eternal life. That is life in a physical tangible body, a body that will never, ever wear out. Now, talking about this key uh, secret, secret number one we're talking about today in a purple and scarlet prophecy, which is the reality that the scarlet beast referred to is the Antichrist. The 
only individual who fights against the lamb is the Antichrist. So we know that because after the marriage of the lamb, the first resurrection, briefly described in Revelation chapter 14 in the Earth 3 documentary, we have a documentary about the Battle of Armageddon, the Marriage Supper documentary, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, where it explicitly describes the reality of the Battle of Armageddon, and we get uh, a detailed report, and at the end, in the last uh, third of this prophecy, so John's writing down of the documentary that he watched, he saw on one side the Antichrist and the kings of the world and their armies all there, all there in Jerusalem. And on the other side was Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven. So it's like game time. Game time, uh, but this is not uh, a game for entertainment. This is the war to end all wars. It's the Battle of Armageddon. There'll never ever be another war on this planet Earth or the New Earth to come after this war, the Battle of Armageddon. And we're told that the Antichrist is captured there at the Battle of Armageddon, and a hundred percent of the individuals, including the kings and the armies, uh, all the soldiers and the armies of the nations that sent troops to be a part of this battle led by the Antichrist, 100% of those soldiers die. They die due to uh, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. What's the wrong place? They're there um, in Israel. What's the wrong time? Battle of Armageddon, 100% of those individuals uh, lose their life. And so uh, here in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, it says, again, and, and we're looking at Scripture to confirm who is the purple, who is the scarlet beast described in Revelation chapter 17. So it says, again, Together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings. And his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Now let's go over to Revelation 19 so you can hear the confirming scripture for that. So Revelation 19, uh, verses 19 to 21. It says, then I saw the beast and the kings of the world. And when it says the beast, it's talking about the Antichrist. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So the one sitting on the horse is Jesus Christ. We know that from earlier scriptures um, in Revelation 19. And it says, and the beast was captured, that's the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Then later it says in the same verse, verse 20 of Revelation 19, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So the Antichrist, 
and the false prophet uh, are captured. But this confirms that the scarlet beast is the same beast referred to in Revelation chapter 19, and that beast is the Antichrist. That's the individual who leads armies provided by the kings of the world. He leads them into battle against Jesus Christ uh, in Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon. Verse 21 says, Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So Jesus Christ came the first time as the Lamb of God. At his second coming, he's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming to wage a war in righteousness. That's the battle of Armageddon. Okay, so secret number one that we talked about today. Um, That doesn't mean it's the first secret in the prophecy, but the first secret we're talking about is the identity of the scarlet beast in the purple and scarlet prophecy. We've just uh, demonstrated through multiple scriptures that for sure the identity of the scarlet beast in the purple and scarlet prophecy is the Antichrist. Okay, let's talk about another secret in the purple and scarlet prophecy. Let's talk about the woman. I want to go back to Revelation 17. So let's talk about let's talk about the woman and let's talk about Babylon the Great. So Talking about the woman, let's hear all of the scriptures that describe the woman in Revelation 17. We have, at the end of Revelation 17, this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. So the woman represents a great city. This city is the city that sits on seven hills. That's described earlier in Revelation 17. And the city of seven hills is Rome. Rome has been consistently referred to as the city of seven hills for uh, millennia. And even today, in 2024, it's referred to as the city that sits on seven hills. Now, Interestingly, it is Roman soldiers who destroyed the second temple in 70 A.D., and today today we await the rebuilding of the third temple in Jerusalem. Okay, so the woman is, again, represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. Um So this city is going to become, it will be during the Great Tribulation, so that means it's going to become very soon in our future the most powerful city on the planet. It's going to be an economic powerhouse. So um, I want to look at, um, I want to see if we can talk about the wealth of uh, the wealth of 
some major cities in the world and uh it's a little bit difficult in 2024 for us to conceptualize a city that will have the power, the prestige, the economic dominance that the headquarters for the Harlot Church, the city that we're talking about, the woman is going to have. Um, so I'm looking at a list of cities and uh, – Let me stay with scripture for the moment. Let's stay with scripture for the moment. Um, hear more about this uh, this woman. So it says um, in Revelation, Revelation chapter seventeen, verse seven. I will tell you the mystery of this woman. And of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. And it says, again, and this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. And in Revelation 17, verse 3, it says, the woman wore purple and scarlet clothing. So in this city... It is associated with clothing that's purple and scarlet. It says, uh, the woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. So immorality in the book of Revelation is referring to prostitution. So recall in verse 17, uh, verse 1, it says, I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute. So this woman is described as a great prostitute because she is immoral. And verse 5 says, A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. In a nutshell, what this is saying is that this woman is a religion, which is a false religion. So to practice adultery in the book of Revelation, that's referring to giving one's self Intimately, so one's mind, will, and emotions, yielding them, giving them to a false God. So instead of being in intimacy with God the Creator, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, being in intimacy, giving oneself to a false God. And so this woman, this city, is the headquarters for the one world religion that's going to deceive all the nations during the Great Tribulation. 
how how is it that one religion is going to do this? Well, we learn in Revelation chapter 13 that the Antichrist is going to rule in tandem with what's referred to as another beast. So in Revelation chapter 13, uh, there's a reference to another beast. Let's go there for a moment. This is in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, and it says in Revelation 13, verse 11, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. So this is referring to the false prophet who will have the appearance of being uh, the son of God or a man of God. But it says he spoke with the voice of a dragon. So the dragon refers to Satan. How do we know that? Well, that's revealed in the millennial reign prophecy. Revelation chapter 20, verse 2 says, He sees the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan. So Satan is the dragon. The false prophet will speak the words of Satan, yet he will have the appearance, the likeness of Jesus Christ. So the false prophet, prophet is going to work in tandem with the antichrist during the great tribulation and his headquarters in other words the headquarters for the false prophet is a city that city is the woman referred to seven times in revelation 17 That city is clothed in purple and scarlet clothing. My perception is that the Bible reveals that the false prophet is the final pope. Now you might say, how can how can the false prophet be the final pope? There's no such thing as a final pope. There's a such thing as a final pope. And the reason is, is because when Jesus Christ returns... He will be king of all kings and lord of all lords. There will only be one religion, and it will not be the religion whose headquarters is the woman. Why not? Because this woman, it says, is a great prostitute. And what about her prostitution? Revelation 18 says uh, of this woman, talking about her prostitution, all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. And it says also she has become a home for demons. She's a hideout for every foul spirit. And it says in verse 4, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins. So there are sorceries referred to in Revelation 18.23. It says, You deceive the nations with your sorceries. The false prophet is going to conduct or he's going to uh, effect 
miracles. He is going to perform miracles that are striking, that are amazing, that are incredible, that truly reflect supernatural supernatural power. There's just one problem. It's not the supernatural power of God the Father. It's the supernatural power of Satan, the father of all lies. So let's go to Revelation 13 so we can hear about some of these sorceries described in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. So talking about the actions of the false prophet, it says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 13, talking about the false prophet, he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. Now, that's right. So you're going to see it on all of the television and cable shows. People are going to be videotaping it on their cell phones or whatever devices are uh, the latest technology at that time. Everyone's going to see this uh, miracle. The Bible refers to it as astounding, and it is a miracle. It is supernatural, but don't you know, supernatural power emanates from one of two sources, either God the Father, or Satan, the father of all lies. So this power used and wielded by the false prophet, the final pope, is the power of Satan. So what's the second secret that we're focused on today in Revelation 17? The woman, which is a great city that rules over the kings of the world, it's not only an economic powerhouse, it's also a spiritual powerhouse, but a powerhouse for who or what? For demons. For demons. Demons. The flunkies of the final probe. The final pope, the false prophet, are demons. So he will commit sorceries using the power of Satan with demons carrying out his plans and purposes. And it says, and it says, this is very difficult to wrap our brains around, but we must do it. We must allow the Bible to renew our minds. We're told in Revelation 18 that in our future, talking about the power of this city, that's the headquarters for the one world religion that accompanies the new world order, it says that every every nation... It says, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. All means all. That means every nation. You might say, well, I live in Uganda. Uganda is 88% Christian. Or I live in uh, America. America is predominantly Christian. Listen, the Bible says every 
nation in Revelation 18 has fallen. And in Revelation uh, 17, it says, the waters where the prostitute, talking about this city, is ruling, represent masses of every nation and language. And it says where the prostitute is ruling. So in other words, the one world religion is going to rule with respect to worship. And the soul, the mind, will, and emotions of individuals, the prostitute is going to have a stronghold on the spirituality of human beings everywhere, even in Canada, even in America, even in Uganda, even in places that have historically been Christian or Judeo-Christian nations. Now, you might say, oh, well, of course that's going to happen in Iran, or of course that's going to happen in uh, Palestine. No, we're talking about every nation. Now, how in the world could a false religion a false religion uses the power of Satan. How could it grip the hearts and minds of people in every nation? Well, this religion, the one world religion, led by the false pro- pope, it's going to have the appearance of Christianity. It is a harlot church. It's going to promote and say what people want to hear. What do people want to hear? Well, they want to hear, we're all children of God. God loves everyone. Everyone's going to heaven. Well, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Everyone's not going to heaven. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are going to heaven, and only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be permitted to have eternal life in a physical body on the new earth. But the one world religion, it is the mother of all prostitutes. What does that mean? Every religion which fails to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only mediator between man and God the Father is a prostitute according to the Bible and this prophecy reveals that the one world religion will be the mother of all prostitutes what that means is that there are going to be agreements where the religions of the world excluding excluding the church and those who give testimony for Jesus Christ but all the other religions are going to get into agreement with the harlot church, and they're going to come up under, they're going to be subsumed, they're going to allow themselves to be daughters, if you will, of the the mother, which is the one world religion. It's the religion led by the false prophet. The false prophet is the final pope. How do we know it's the final pope? Because it's the city of seven hills. And it says that this city of seven hills, which is uh, Rome, we know that because if you look in any encyclopedia, the city of seven hills is referred to as Rome. It says the city of seven hills is clothed in purple and scarlet linen. And in the religion, in the religion, 
promoted by the Pope, the colors of the leadership, bishops and, and cardinals, are described exactly with that language. Exactly with that language, what? Purple and scarlet. Those are the colors worn by leadership in the religion, the one world religion that will get into agreement with, that will cause all of the other religions to enter a circle of alliance, if you will, where they are all connected. They are all connected and all giving uh, power and allegiance to the beast, worshiping the beast. The individuals in these religions are going to take the mark of the beast. They are going to uh, worship the statue commissioned by the false prophet. That's the final pope. That's revealed in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. Now, Revelation chapter 1, it says that there's a blessing for everyone who obeys. There's a blessing for everyone who obeys the instructions in the book of Revelation. Now, how can you obey an instruction in the book of Revelation? Well, let's first go and see where we're told as truth seekers to do that. So Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. Okay, so you and I, we are listening to the words of prophecy in the book of Revelation today. We've heard in its entirety the purple and scarlet prophecy, and we're told here he will bless you and he will bless me for listening to its message and obeying what it says now how do we obey what the purple and scarlet prophecy is saying let's go to revelation 18 verse 4 so we can get the instruction the instruction in this prophecy it says then i heard another voice calling from heaven Come away from her, my people. Who's her? The woman. What's the woman? It's the city. It's the headquarters for the harlot church, the one world religion led by the false prophet, the one world religion that has leadership that wears purple linen, one group of leaders, and the other group of leaders wears scarlet linen. It says, come away from her my people. So in other words, don't partake of the one world religion. Don't get into agreement with a false Christianity. They're going to be saying peace, 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 and look how powerful we are. Look at these miracles that are being performed. It has to be God. This has to be true because these are actual miracles. No, it doesn't have to be true because actual miracles can be performed using the supernatural power of Satan. Yet, all who are team Satan will also have their part in the lake of fire. The truth is here in the Bible. 
And the truth is that all who partake in her sins will be punished. Now here's the instruction, Revelation 18, verse 4. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Now what's the punishment for folks who refuse to come up out of the one world religion? The punishment includes separation from God at death. So everyone who dies and who is not in Christ, in other words, they're in Satan because they are participating in the one world religion, they go to Hades. That's a prison of darkness. Now, depending on when a person goes there, the time in the prison of darkness could be longer or shorter. But that's a punishment, being separated from God. The next punishment that they endure is having to participate in the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. It's described in the dead judged prophecy. So this is the second punishment for those who refuse to come out, uh, to, to uh, come away from her, the one world religion. It says, Revelation 20, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Now, how were they standing before God? So people who refuse to come away from the one world religion, the false Christianity, the harlot church during the Great Tribulation, this is their second punishment. So they participate in another resurrection, not the first one, but another one, and then they stand before God's throne. They stand before God's throne. You say, well, when does this happen? This happens a thousand years after Jesus Christ returns. So for all that time, the entire, for the entire uh, millennial reign, individuals who have died and who were not in Christ, they are in Hades, in a prison of darkness beneath the earth as disembodied spirits, but their mind, will, and emotions totally intact. So the soul is uh, alive as ever, if you will. The spirit as alive as ever, but they're disembodied. They fail to make the resurrection. But they could have made Team Jesus. Any person who goes to mediation gets his or her case settled. Now, what am I talking about here? It says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. God has a case against everyone and uh you're not going to outrun god there's no place that you can go where god doesn't know where you're at now every human being that has ever existed has to be qualified before the individual is allowed to transition to the new earth. Why? Because God the Father is actually going to relocate his home from present heaven to a new earth. 
But on the new earth, nothing that is evil is allowed. So on the new earth, there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more mourning, no more famine, no more tears, no more death. So nothing evil can be on the new earth. So any individual who has sinned has that evil stain in her or in him. The only way to get rid of that is with the blood of Jesus. It's the only payment for that sin debt. So everyone who has his or her case settled, in other words, all the sin debt paid for, so there's therefore now no more evil in the person's spirit. The spirit is is sealed, it's uh, seated in heavenly places with God. Once the individual goes to mediation, then that individual is on schedule to get a new body that's free of sin. So the the fullness of life doesn't happen all at one time. It starts with the spirit. So the spirit is perfected when we go to mediation. And then the body is perfected at the first resurrection. And ultimately the soul is perfected. But individuals who fail to reach perfection, in other words, they're tainted with the curse, they're tainted with evil, they cannot participate in eternal life on the new earth. Now here it says in the dead judge prophecy, anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's Revelation 20, verse 15. So what we see, this is the final judgment. And it's the reality that all who refuse this instruction that we were just talking about, all who are here during the great tribulation, who refuse to follow the instruction, come away from her, my people. So they take the mark of the beast. They participate in the one world religion either uh, through uh, the main religion, which is the mother, or through some of the daughter religions, all the daughter religions, any of those religions, they're all prostitutes. So uh, the religion led by the false prophet the false pope that's the mother of all prostitutes but all these religions are prostitutes only those who recognize jesus as lord and savior who declare that jesus christ is god manifest in the flesh and the son of god and give testimony for jesus christ that only those individuals are in the true christianity Anyone who's worshiping the Antichrist, bowing down or worshiping the statue of the Antichrist, taking the mark of the beast is in her. Who's her? The woman. The woman described in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. So what is the, the key point in the secret, of the secret in 30 seconds or less? There's. Together, there's the headquarters for the harlot church, 
which will be an economic powerhouse. It is Rome. It will have incredible wealth. And from Rome, which will be the home to uh, demonic spirits, the the seat of power for the one world religion, from that location will emanate an awful, terrible set of actions, including human trafficking and including terror and uh the assassination of God's holy people. You can escape the punishment that's being thrown in the lake of fire. So that's the third and final punishment. You can escape the punishment for everyone who chooses to to not follow the instruction in the book of Revelation, which is um, to come away from her, do not t- partake in her sins. Okay, let's talk about a third and final uh, secret. Now, there are many secrets in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, but I want to highlight uh, three secrets today, going back to uh, Revelation chapter 17. How is the headquarters for the Harlot Church, how is Rome, how is the city of uh, Seven Hills, the headquarters for the one world religion, how is it going to be destroyed? So it's God's plan for it to be destroyed. Interestingly, it's going to be destroyed before the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be destroyed before the Battle of Armageddon. And it's not going to be destroyed by the one riding the white horse, who is Jesus Christ. It's going to be destroyed by the scarlet beast. God can use anyone to carry out his plans and purposes. And Revelation 17, 17 says, For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. Who's they? Talking about the ten kings of the ten-nation alliance, the ten kings and the Antichrist. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast. That's the Antichrist. And so the words of God will be fulfilled. How will the words of God be fulfilled? How are they going to uh how are they going to destroy Rome? Well it tells us in Revelation seventeen verse sixteen, they will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with Fire. So the fire noted over and over again in Revelation 18, it talks about the charred remains of the woman. So this city, the economic powerhouse uh, of the of the entire world, is going to be destroyed with fire in a single day. So it's the judgment of God, but it's carried out by men of this world, men who belong to this world. The Antichrist and the kings of the world, they're going to destroy Rome. Now, why are they going to do it? We're not told all the reasons why, but we're told here in Revelation 16, the scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. 
So uh, talking about the one world religion, so it's interesting, this religion, this religion is going to uh, require people to bow down to a statue of the Antichrist, yet the prime ministers and presidents of the world and the Antichrist himself, they're not going to like the religion. Now you might say, well, why? They're all working in tandem. My best guess, and this is total speculation, but my guess, my best guess is that when they see the power that the false prophet and the one world religion has, uh, but particularly the power that the false prophet has, they want that power for themselves. So it's kind of like a person is the president of one nation, and he or she, despite being the most powerful person politically of an entire nation, yearns to be president of two nations or three nations. There's something about power that causes most, maybe all humans, to desire to have more of it. It's almost as if there's um, an insatiable appetite to increase in power and dominion. You know, we have demonstrated across time that as men and women, we're not capable of ruling ourselves. We need God himself. We need Jesus Christ to establish his government. It's the only way we're going to have peace. In Isaiah, in Isaiah uh, it tells us about Jesus Christ and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So do I want peace on earth? Absolutely. Do you want peace on earth? I'm going to guess that you do. The truth is, is that... Uh, the upcoming peace agreement that will allow it will allow Israel to rebuild its third temple on the Temple Mount so that the Jewish people can worship our God in a temple on the Temple Mount using the ashes of the tenth red heifer. That peace agreement that gives them the green light to rebuild the temple, which they are going to be, they are going to rebuild. They're going to resume uh, the animal sacrifices. They're going to resume the ceremonies that ended 70 years, uh, that ended in 70 A.D., almost 2,000 years ago. That peace agreement, it's not going to bring peace on earth. The president installed in the United States of America is not going to bring peace on earth. The president of uh, the prime minister of the United Kingdom is not going to bring peace on earth. Listen, I'm not saying these things to minimize the value of any leader or to disparage the uh, character of any leader. I'm simply reporting the limitations of the government of men. We need the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, in order to have peace on this earth. We're not going to achieve it without him. And when he comes, he's going to fight and win a war waged in righteousness, according to Revelation chapter 19, that war waged in righteousness 
is the battle of Armageddon. The scarlet beast, the Antichrist, will be the opponent of the Prince of Peace. The Antichrist, who will have been worshipped for three and a half years, the Antichrist, who will have led billions to give themselves, to give themselves in adultery, essentially to Satan by taking the mark of the beast on their hands or their foreheads. The Antichrist is going to lose the battle of Armageddon. He's going to be captured. The false prophet is also going to be captured at the battle of Armageddon. Both of them are going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and those who have taken the mark of the beast ultimately will join them. Now, if someone takes the mark of the beast, that individual isn't going straight to the lake of fire, unlike the Antichrist and false prophet. First, they will go to Hades. Uh, that's prison of darkness. They'll, they will be there until they can have their cases heard. It's kind of like if someone commits a crime, they, uh, they take them to a place where they're held until they can see the judge. Once they go to court, then it's determined whether the person is going to be released so that they can go free or whether that person is going to jail. Hades is a prison just like that. It's a temporary storage tank, uh, to use the language of Prophet Randy Chandler, who's referred to heaven as a temporary uh, storage tank. Hades is a temporary storage tank. Um, in some of the prisons, uh there are human beings, and what are they waiting for? They're waiting for another resurrection, which happens at the end of a thousand years, and they're resurrected for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment. By the way, also in Hades, there are fallen angels. Some of the fallen angels were told uh, elsewhere in the Bible that went outside the scope of their authority. They're also in Hades, and we're told that we're gonna uh, we're gonna judge them elsewhere in the Bible. But let's stay here where we are in the purple and scarlet prophecy. Very soon, many of us are going to have to make a decision about whether we are going to participate in what will be a widespread and compelling a widespread and compelling uh, compelling effort to get everyone everywhere all in a one-world religion promoted by the New World Order. So in the New World Order, there's going to be a new economy. There's going to be a new uh, banking system. There's going to be new... Superpowers. The superpowers are going to be those nations in the Ten Nation Alliance, the iron mingled with clay in the God dream given to Nebuchadnezzar and interpreted by Daniel. And every human being, wherever you are, wherever you are, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to stay or Go with her. Some of you might already be with her and you don't realize it. You might be in adultery unknowingly or unwittingly. Maybe 
you're like me, and when you were very young, you were uh, you were encouraged to participate in a false religion with people who are lovely, people that loved you and people that you love, and so it's familiar. And I hear people talking all about, well, it's our culture, it's our culture, or this is what our ancestors did. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no man comes to the Father except through him. Now, if you're like me, you grew up surrounded by many people who were in a false religion, wonderful people, people who really love, people who are moral, people who have good character, people that you can depend on. The good deeds of men are like filthy rags to God. What am I saying? You want to put your faith and your trust and your hope not in the good deeds of men, not in your own good deeds, but in Jesus Christ. This earth is under a curse, and none of your good deeds and none of my good deeds, even if we combined all the good deeds of human beings everywhere, they're insufficient to pull from the grave the billions of people who have died due to the curse. Only Jesus Christ has the power and the plan to defeat death. Now, when he defeats death, it's going to be swallowed up in victory. Whose victory? The victory of Jesus Christ, not the victory of Satan. You want to be with the Father who created you and not with a father who deceived you. You're going to be with your father one way or another. You're going to be with your father. The only question to answer is, who is my father? Who is my father? Is your father Satan, the father of all lies, or is your father God the Father who gave himself a human body so that he could mediate, so that he could have a mediator who would mediate your case so that you could be restored to sonship. In other words, so that you can escape the curse. Adam was born in the image of God, and he had eternal life. Because of sin, everyone born after Adam was born in the image of Adam instead of the image of God. If Adam had never sinned, every person born from Adam's line would have eternal life. Because Adam sinned, none of his offspring were born in the image of God. We were all born in the image of Adam. So in Romans, we're told God had to send a second Adam. That language is used. A second Adam. Why? Why? So that you can be born, so that I can be born again. 
And when we're born again, instead of being born in the image of Adam, we're born in the image of God. Now, what's the evidence that you've been born again? When you're born again, your spirit man is sealed and is seated with God in the heavenly places. And when Jesus Christ returns, everyone who's born again is going to put on a brand new body. Why? Because we are the sons and daughters of God. Everyone who is a son or daughter of Satan will join their father after the great white throne judgment has been concluded, when that court proceeding has been concluded, they will join Satan in the lake of fire. Why? Because they are with their father. They will be restored to Satan, their father. Now, you must ask yourself, if you're, if you're truly a truth seeker, now not everyone's a truth seeker. Some people are seeking they're, they're seeking affirmation of what they want to be true, right? So they're seeking – I saw one guy, he was seeking affirmation that he's a dog. I think he spent $20,000 to create a suit that would allow him to look like a dog and he wears the dog suit every day. He wants to be a dog. He's seeking affirmation that he's a dog. That's the truth that he wants now that's so far from reality. Now, you might laugh at that, but, and don't be mad at me, Kenneth Hagin used to say, don't shoot me down when I'm preaching good. But let me ask you this question. Are you any different? Do you go to the Bible to find out what is true, or do you take the truth that you already know and look for places in any book any religious book or on the Internet, do you just look for places and people that will say what you already know is true? The Bible is the infallible word of God. It says, in the beginning was the word, talking about the Bible, and the word was with God and the word was God. If you don't like one translation for whatever reasons, read another one. Don't allow Satan to pull you away from the word of God. Maybe maybe you don't like the fact that people discuss the Bible and decided the order that the book should appear in. Do you know that the word of God says that all scripture is inspired by God? God uses men and women to carry out his plans and purposes, including getting the written word of God onto parchment and paper and today the Internet. He uses men and women to accomplish that. Doesn't change the fact that the Word of God comes from him. And in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of time. Time only exists for the purpose of 
the experience we're having, which will ultimately conclude when God gets his forever family and the disposition of the others who chose not to be part of his family, the disposition of those individuals is decided, then we don't have time anymore. In Peter it says uh, time is running out. The end of the world is coming soon. What does that mean? The end of this part where people are going to decide, hey, am I am I going to go with my real father or am I going to go with my fake father? Am I going to go with the father who has lied to me or am I going to go to the father that's told the truth? Am I going to enjoy evil or am I going to press into what is good and true and righteous? It's your privilege and your responsibility to decide that. You get to decide. Do you want to be with God the Father, or do you want to be with Satan, the father of all lies? You are the boss of that. Now, your pastor's not the boss of it. Your rabbi's not the boss of it. Your imam's not the boss of it. Your wife is not the boss of it, and your husband's not the boss of it. Your dad's not the boss of it, and your mom's not the boss of it. You are the boss of it. Sometimes I hear people say, well, and this is how um, how I grew up. I would hear uh, my best friend say all the time, well, you know, I wasn't raised like that. And she experienced such extraordinary pressure to stay in a false religion because she was raised a certain way in the culture that she was raised in to be disobedient, to act in a way that was not in alignment or agreement with how she was, quote, unquote, raised, was the worst thing that a person could do. Well, I want to tell you, the worst thing you can do is to reject Jesus Christ because he's the only way to get to your incorruptible body. He's the only way to get in right standing with God the Father. Now, it's not your fault. It's not my fault that the world is under a curse. It is my fault if I choose to reject Jesus Christ, which is my out. Jesus Christ is my out. My out from what? Jesus Christ is my way out of death and the curse and my way into eternal life and my ticket to the new earth. Now, I can reach for that. It's a free gift. I just have to reach for it and accept it, or I can reject it. Same thing for you. Same thing for you. You can reach for Jesus Christ and accept his free gift, or you can choose to reject it. You cannot self-select out of the process. So I hear some people saying, well, I don't believe in any of it. I think when you die, there's nothing. Friend and truth seeker, I want to tell you that over and over again, more than 60 times the Bible refers to Hades, which is a prison of darkness, or to Gehenna, that's the lake of fire. So those uh, people first go to Hades 
And then next, the people who were in Hades are resurrected all at the same time. They're resurrected all at the same time. They participate in a gigantic court proceeding called the Great White Throne Judgment. But each person gets to have their case heard. Why? Because God is a just God. He's so just, all the sins that they committed, everyone's going to be listed. It's all in the books. It's all recorded. And because they failed to go to mediation, none of their sins are blotted out. They're all right there outstanding debt when they when it's revealed that they have no way to pay for the debt because the only payment that's uh sufficient the only currency that accept is accepted is the blood of jesus christ what does it matter if you have ten thousand u.s dollars if the store that you're going to only accepts naira you have to have the currency that the store accepts in order to make the purchase. So Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God to purchase, to redeem back to God the Father his children. But the purchase can only happen for you and for me if we're in agreement, if we cooperate. You don't have the currency. I don't care if you have Bitcoin, you have U.S. dollars, you have euros, you have fill in the blank. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. You might say, well, my currency is my good deeds. No. Your good deeds, the Bible says, are like filthy rags to God. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't engage in good deeds, but it means that it's not the currency that can be used to get into right standing with God to erase the sin debt. Now, don't be mad about that. Understand the reality of it so that you can make a decision that results in the outcome you want. You are the boss of that. You decide whether you're going to cooperate or not. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about the resurrection and about the Battle of Armageddon, which comes after the resurrection. Uh, very soon these things are coming up. Let me do a quick rundown of uh, soon coming events. Very soon we're going to see Israel's going to get the green light to rebuild its third temple. After that, we're going to see Jews worshiping in the temple, on the Temple Mount in Israel, and also on the Temple Mount, Muslims worshiping in the mosque, in their mosque on the Temple Mount. Within a few short years, fewer than four years, the Antichrist is going to run up into the temple. He's going to defile it. He's going to tell them, you've got to stop making these animal sacrifices. You've got to stop doing that. A war will be declared on Israel. The Antichrist is going to say, I'm going to bring peace to this earth. I am God. I'm going to bring peace to this earth. And how I'm going to do it 
I'm going to take out Israel because she's the reason why we don't have peace on this earth. We're going to see what some have referred to as another Jewish Holocaust, God forbid, but it is the case. We're going to see another Jewish Holocaust, God forbid, but the Bible reveals that that is the case. The war on Jews. Another Jewish Holocaust is going to be expanded to include a Christian Holocaust. Christians everywhere are going to be persecuted, targeted, persecuted. Some will even be beheaded. At the end of 1,260 days, this war on Jews and Christians everywhere Jews in Israel and Christians everywhere, it will last only 1,260 days, and then there will be the first resurrection. After the first resurrection, the people of God will be in heaven for a time. During this time, the seven final plagues will be poured out on the earth. The seven final plagues will be poured out on this earth. When the seventh and final plague is poured out, one of the things that's going to happen is that the Antichrist and his kings, kings of this world, they're going to destroy the city, the city of seven hills. And then the next key event is that we are going to return with Jesus Christ. He's coming back with all his holy ones. That includes every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're going to watch Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. And then finally and awesomely, Jesus Christ is going to put down the governments of men and establish the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth Most nations of the world will continue. There are some nations, as reported in Isaiah uh, and Zechariah and other books in the Bible, there are some nations that will be destroyed. The vast majority of nations will be permitted to continue, but under new leadership. So Jesus Christ will be the king of all kings. That means there's still going to be presidents and prime ministers and governors and mayors, But Jesus Christ will be the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That's something to look forward to. We're going to have peace on this present earth. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Friend and truth seeker, I want to thank you for being with me and with us. I hope that this has been a blessing for you. We're going to continue talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy on Thursday. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Texas time, that's 8 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll be back next Sunday talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy for the month of February. We're going to continue unlocking the secrets in the purple and scarlet prophecy. Thank you for being with me and with us today. And according to Jeremiah 33.3, if you haven't done so yet, call out to the He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, truth seeker and friend, God bless you.